In this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast, I'm joined again by Jessica Ashwood. If you aren't following her on Instagram, you're going to want to take a second, type in fitness and food with Jess on your Instagram. You can check the uh, exact uh, handle below. I put it in the description for you to just copy and paste over. She's got a lot of great content that she puts out on a regular basis, and I highly recommend giving her a follow so you can keep up to date with everything that she does. We're going to be discussing the future trends that we see in children's health and wellness, so kind of where things are going right now and what we can do about that, how to cultivate healthy lifestyle habits in youth, uh, so whether that's four or five-year-olds or 10, 12-year-olds or anywhere in between, maybe a little bit older, the importance of play uh, for exercise and health and fitness, both in the youth and in some grown adults as well, and the importance of balance in health and fitness. So balancing the good and the bad, the work and the play, the you know healthy, quote-unquote healthy mo- uh, foods, and the quote-unquote uh, unhealthy foods, the cheat days, the that sort of thing. This episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by CTM Band. You can read about them and check a uh, coupon code below in the description. They're also brought to you by another sponsor, and you're about to hear a word from them. Welcome back, Jess. Oh, thank you. So kind of diving into the health and well-being of our nation's children, you kind of have a unique perspective because you have the hat of a personal trainer and someone who's had a lot of health and fitness experience in your own life. And you have the experience of a mother raising children. And you have the experience of a teacher who sees children every single day during the school year in the kindergarten classroom. For someone like me, I look at kind of the research and the stats that we're seeing right now with the youth of our nation, the children, and I get really concerned. Uh, The current obesity rate is over 25% in children under the age of 18. So over one in four kids has a BMI over 30. Uh, Very few children are meeting the basic requirements from the ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine, for an hour of play five days a week. And I know we've discussed in the past, it's almost like any more taking Adderall for kids to focus, taking Xanax for kids to sleep, playing playing video games every day, eating McDonald's almost weekly, daily in some cases, is becoming like the normal for children these days. So kind of with all these different things in mind, I know I painted a very broad brush there, but what's been your kind of take on the health of, you know, the children of our nation right now with someone who's seeing children, raising children, teaching children on a daily basis? Uh, What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I have definitely noticed that as well. So It's actually kind of funny when I was growing up, um, I actually was being fed like the children of today. I remember there would be days where I would go through the drive through twice in a day and I would live off of like hot pockets and banquet frozen dinners. My parents had really crazy schedules and it just was what was convenient for them. Uh Um, But I remember that 
I was very, a very rare case back in my childhood. Like when I would tell my friends, like I got to go to McDonald's today, um, you know, twice, I would have my friends be like, oh, we're not allowed to go to McDonald's unless like we're on vacation or something like that. So back in when I was a kid in elementary school, it was very like, I would say pretty uncommon for a child to be like living off of like the type of food like that. But now these days, it's like quite the opposite. Like it's actually rare for a kid to not be eating those things. So like when I was in elementary school, you would see like kids with like pretty well-balanced um, lunches, I feel like, and like not being able to go to fast food because it was bad. But now you're seeing kids coming in with like all of the Lunchables and like the easy mac and cheese things. And it's definitely overtaken today's world. Like back in the day, it was not really a thing except for in small cases like mine. But now it is just like, everywhere you look there's kids um with foods that just weren't as common back in the day have you been seeing any kind of impact do you think anyways on the quality of nutrition that uh, children are eating on a daily basis and their academic success or academic outcomes um so i feel like one thing i have noticed is that the type of food that is usually given um, for free, like in backpack programs and in other um, programs meant to help meet the needs of underprivileged children. Um, usually those are shelf-stable foods and the type of foods that are usually given are ones like, you know, mac and cheese, little packs, sugary cereals, Nutri-Grain type bars, um, gummies. It's that's usually the type of food that is readily available for people with little income. And I've definitely seen um, that at place. Um, definitely a correlation between what they eat and the grades. I feel like a lot of children come to school hungry even, and they definitely are more likely to be struggling with their learning, if a kid comes to school hungry or malnourished, they're way less likely to be able to participate in learning. So we obviously have to make sure that their initial needs of being fed are met. But I, I don't have any data, but I would pretty much say that like if a kid is eating, you know, Lucky Charms in the morning and then like a easy Mac at lunch or like a Hot Pocket type thing and then, you know, another type frozen dinner at night, they're probably, um, I would say that there would be some correlation between that and the academic performance, just because they're not going to be functioning as optimally. Like I know when I eat that way, because you know, that food tastes great. <laughs> I definitely wasn't functioning as optimally because for the beginning of my school year, um, when I first started, I was eating like that. And I remember my first year and my second I mean, my first year and my second year teaching, that is how I was eating. And I feel like my performance did suffer and I felt like I could not focus. But then the next year is when I started getting on track and introducing lots of fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, I was able to focus more. And I feel like I can get so much more done in so much little time. My, my mood is better. I'm just a better person, happier. So it definitely plays a role. Right. Focus and mood improve sleep improves because people mm -hmm. forget that we need so many vitamins and minerals in order to sleep properly and recover and repair. And a lot of the learning that 
uh, takes place cognitively occurs uh, when we sleep. So mm -hmm. we learn in person, but it's not until we sleep until long-term recall gets formed. Uh, so there's even people who will study and then take like short naps afterwards to try and hack that system a little bit. So it's kind of interesting how, you know, right now we've been focusing on food as the main piece, uh, but this has such a broader impact than just like the nutrition side of things. It impacts sleep, it impacts social interactions through, like you said, your mood, your energy, your overall just kind of, I, I guess the term these days is vibe that you give off. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just nutrition. And I think with that too, it's kind of hard to look at research studies or data on this stuff because you can't pinpoint it to one thing. You can't just say, oh, it's the nutrition that's the problem. It's the sleep that's the problem. It's really all of these factors coming together as a whole, not just one of them. Um, now, I'm kind of curious too. We've talked about a lot of that, but we haven't touched on exercise yet. Um, have you noticed uh, in schools, is there still like gym class? Is there still recess time, play time, that sort of thing? Or has that kind of been phased out over the course of the years? So that's definitely something that we do in a regular year. Last year was a little funny because of the six feet apart social distancing <laughs> thing. So um, recess um, at first, um, I can't see, I was a virtual teacher last year, so I'm trying to remember everything correctly. I know that the PE teacher had to be outside for recess all day. So like, I think he did try to get them in some activity when they would be able to come out, but it was just so funky last year, like all the rules with coronavirus. So, but in a typical year, we have PE um, for all the kids um, K through five at our school. And we also do have recess. Unfortunately, the recess is pretty short. It's around 15, 20 minutes, but we did get approval the year before last to have a second recess for kindergarten during their snack time. But I'm not sure if we'll get to continue that, but we definitely do, especially for the younger kids kindergarten, they literally in their seat, you can just see them like moving and they can't even help it. So like we really do try to incorporate movement as often as possible. Like even in the kindergarten classroom, it's a rare day when you will see a, like them in their seat for more than like 30 minutes at a time just because they literally can't handle it. We try to do like brain breaks and like go noodle. It's a very common like dance website where it like gets them the wiggles out. There's little workouts on there. So I know that the schools are trying with the resources that they have to try to get movement in. But unfortunately, last year with coronavirus, it was very limited. But I'm hoping that this next coming year that we can try to get to if we can if we can get away with it we will do two recesses a day and sure. definitely PE I like how you kind of said too that you were kind of building and I call them like movement snacks mm -hmm. like every 30 minutes every hour get up and move around and that's something that I think can work for everyone not just children oh, children especially but <laughs> everyone should do it uh, and I think that's kind of a sneaky way too right for kids they recommend one hour of activity per day. Mm -hmm. Well, you might not have like an hour block during the school day that you can dedicate to recess. But if you do five minutes here, five minutes there across an eight hour day, you at least get 
two thirds of the way there. And maybe they walk to school. Maybe they have a little bit of a walk to the bus stop, different things like that, that could play into that as well. Um, But it's amazing what you can do in about five minutes time for exercise. Um, So I think that's kind of cool how you you said there was a website that had like some dancing type stuff. Um, That's kind of new to me. Um, all these different like resources that we have for free online mm-hmm. um, That's a good one. yeah and these are things too that I haven't seen or heard discussed before um, and at this point everyone has the internet everything mm-hmm. like this is low cost or free so take advantage of this stuff right doesn't matter if you're in a school or homeschool or traveling like you know try and incorporate some of this stuff in every day just little movements it doesn't have to be anything fancy it could just be like squats it could be push-ups or jumping jacks it could be dancing whatever um you know there's no like limit to any of that for kids i know a lot of people will say well you know i don't want my kids to exercise or work out or anything like that because uh it could stop bone growth or whatever but there's really (laughs) no limits um so get them moving get them active all these things are going to help them later in life um you develop motor learning and motor patterns and your ability to move as a child will literally stick with you for decades to come I mean basically your entire life so hit it hard early on Um, do you have anything else to kind of add to that I mean the main thing I was gonna add is that I feel like the younger they are the easier it is naturally like you put a five-year-old in a gymnasium the first thing they're gonna do is run around but you put like a fifth grader in a gymnasium they might be more prone to like you know sit and talk with a friend like on you know the bleachers if possible but so I feel like just like the older they get the more intentional it has to be like the older kids might need an organized game but the five-year-olds you can just throw in a room and let them go (laughs) but like yeah I feel like just the one thing is is that the older they get the more you have to fight um you know their desire to just like want to sit and veg because it's just easier and that's what they most of them are probably doing at home. Um, but, you know, the younger they are, you really don't, we, we never have to ask the five-year-olds to run around in the gym. <laughs> if we put them in there with no equipment, they will literally sprint round and round. But the older they get, the more intentional I feel like it has to be. For sure. Um, with that too, we've kind of hinted at this throughout here. And you just mentioning like equipment made me think of it because Like you said, when you're five years old, you put them in the gym, they go and do their thing. They don't need any special equipment. They don't need anything fancy. It's low cost. It's Mm -hmm. convenient. Um, But as kids get older, what happens? Well, maybe they maybe they want to play a certain game or something. I remember uh, when I was a kid, I think it was called Cosmic Catch or something like that. It was like a ball with like batteries in it and you had different color wristbands it would say a color and you would throw it to the person that had that color. Um, It was really basic, but we used to play that in the yard for hours and hours and hours. Um, But like anything that cost money Uh, and in times like this, um, you know, money is, 
kind of an issue for a lot of people. Uh, when I was in Arizona, uh, about, let's see, it was about three, four weeks ago, uh, we were in the grocery store and a loaf of bread was $7. Jeez. And yeah, I was in sticker shock. Um, so, you know, we're kind of hinting at all these different, what I call biopsychosocial considerations, uh, basically other things that we don't see that impact your health, uh, socioeconomic, psychological, all these different things. So with that in mind, um, do you have any kind of tips or tricks or anything you found that might help promote those healthy lifestyle habits, whether it be in nutrition or learning strategy, sleep, exercise in individuals who don't quite have access to, you know, the latest and greatest stuff, the most advanced stuff, or just don't have the time or financial capability to acquire those things. Yeah. So um, I know a lot of times schools will have like free programs that kids can get involved in sports wise, um, where like a parent volunteers and we'll do that. Of course, that gets easier to find as they get older. Elementary school, usually kids, if they do activities, of course, they do cost money like karate or gymnastics. So a lot of those kids, unfortunately, don't get those opportunities. But at this age, they really can just get by with them, you know, just like going on a family walk or just playing with their friends in the neighborhood park. Um, I just recommend giving your kids the opportunities to be active and trying to make it fun. Like literally, I am obsessed with going on walks and that is a free activity that I plan to do forever. And I'm really hoping that once Oliver, my son is too big to be in a stroller, that he will walk with me. Because if not, I'll be very sad. <laughs> and I will just buy a bigger stroller and be like, we're going, we're going, <laughs> we are going. So I think just getting them involved in activities that can be free, like going to a park, maybe throwing a frisbee or a ball back and forth. And I know, unfortunately, like in order for a kid to be given these opportunities, the parent has to also want to participate in these things. Um, I know some parents, you know, aren't wanting to go on a 45 or even 20 minute walk or wanting to like kick a ball around. So like, even if you're like, if you're not wanting to be active, just giving your child the opportunity to be active, like maybe taking them to the playground and watching them play with other kids, um, getting them involved in um, a play group that involves outdoor play. Just even if you're not willing to take those steps, giving your child the opportunity to move because children, especially, well, everyone, but even especially the younger ones, they need that movement for sure. I like that. If you don't want to do it for yourself, at least do it for your kids. Cause yeah, exactly. How often do you see parents who, you know, they don't necessarily take care of themselves the best, but they always make sure their kids are taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, so I really like that touch. And I was actually going to ask you next about what you do to kind of cultivate those healthy habits with your own family. But it sounds like you got ahead of me there with the walking. Um, and I know you're part of the fanny pack gang too, I believe when you walk, right? Oh yeah, of course. Of course, <laughs> because I don't have enough room. Otherwise I've got to have a place for my chapstick. Gotta have a place for, you know, other random necessities, pepper spray, of course. Yep. <laughs> so 
stuff like that. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, well, not the pepper spray part. That's kind of reality of today's world, but yeah. um, the whole fanny pack thing. Um, I haven't quite caught on to that trend yet, but it, it could be coming. Um, so, and I'm kind of learning a lot here because people who have been listening for some time know that as a college student, um, I don't have any children, um, at, at least that I'm aware of yet. Um, <laughs> so I, th this is kind of a lot of learning experience for me too, is, you know, this is an area I know I'm not overly familiar with. Um, I've treated um, people that I consider in the pediatric population in the past, right? 10 year olds, 12 year olds in physical therapy. And I am very willing to admit that I am not good at it. Um, it's a very difficult population to work with. <laughs> and I think about it as well, if I've literally taken courses and classes on how to provide exercise interventions to this population, and I know I'm not good at it. I can only imagine how someone who hasn't received any of that education can feel at times. <laughs> well, 10 and 12 year olds, those can be, those can be a rough, a rough breed. I taught fifth grade my first year. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, they are great, but I just, I couldn't do it. I moved to kindergarten the next year and I'm not going to lie. It's much more, much more my style. <laughs> I don't get mistaken as one of them so that's great. <laughs> the fifth grade there was a little bit too many mistakes of being one of them but kindergarten is good doesn't doesn't happen but yeah that is a that's a tough age group they they do want you to like them but it's not as obvious like they they have that tough exterior that the five-year-olds do not have <laughs> for sure for sure and the other thing that really comes to mind throughout all this is, you know, we look at the games we do as kids, right? You know, most people will remember time on the playground, on the monkey bars, stuff like that. And then we look at what workouts people are doing as adults. And it's like, you know, pull-ups are kind of similar to doing the monkey bars as kids, or, you know, how many times when you're a kid do you squat down and pick something up and stand back up? You're literally training the same functional patterns that we work as adults, just as a younger individual. And, you know, instead of a gym, you call it a playground, but mm -hmm. it's literally the same activities broken down. So it kind of makes me think it's like, you know, for adults, the gym is kind of a playground. But for kids, the playground is the gym, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, uh, those monkey bars are no joke. Like, those are hard. <laughs> it's not easy. You see the kids doing it and they make it look like it's just like the easiest thing ever. But yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I remember when I was in Arizona, there was a gym that had monkey bars in the gym even. And I, I had cool. to do them one time because I was like, you know, like, that. why not? And I was like, this is a lot harder than I remember it being. Um, <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> that and like the, um, I, I remember as a kid, those kids that would climb up the fire poles. Oh or, yeah, those are tricky too. Yeah, and in the gym, they have um, ropes and people climb the ropes. Um, so again, it's kind of taking those play concepts from our childhood and now applying them to exercise. And uh, I, in, at least in my training experience, I've noticed that 
clients who enjoy their workouts uh, and find them fun do a lot better than people who don't. So finding new, innovative, creative ways to make things fun and enjoyable like that uh, tends to be really helpful for people. And you might be listening to this and you might be saying, okay, well, I have no interest in doing any of that. You know, I want heavy squats and heavy bench press and that's totally okay. I get that too. I've been there myself, Uh, but you got to kind of keep in mind that everyone's in kind of a different mindset, different perspective. Um, You know, everyone, different things rattle their cages differently, so to speak. And for some people that's going to stick out to them as, you know, something they enjoy. And, you know, maybe they're like someone like you and me, or maybe it's someone who's got a different like mental impairment, physical impairment, like you don't know what people are going through. So kind of keeping all options open, I think when it comes to physical fitness and exercise are probably a good thing. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And my my father was that way, like where he just didn't feel motivated by just plain exercising. So what he did was he got himself involved in competition. So he does um, 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, all those like half marathons. So like that's what he did to kind of like get himself excited about being physically active because just you know, going to a gym and like showing up and then leaving just wasn't, you know, motivating him. So he hired a run coach. He does some strength training. He does some run training. And now he's, he's just running marathons all the time. I'll be like, what are you doing this weekend? He's like, oh, running a marathon. I'm like, okay, have fun. (laughs) So yeah, even just like having some form of competition can make it fun, which is why obviously kids tend to really enjoy sports, but also adults enjoy that type of competition too for sure and i like how you specified that the competition was running and not like the beer league for softball or something (laughs) like that (laughs) not to say not to say there's anything wrong with that right you get your elbow exercise with the 12 ounce curls but um Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot more to running i think um that's that's really cool and i like how you said you know competitive and that looks different for everyone right it doesn't have to be running a race like that it could be something completely different it could be hopping on your peloton bike at home or whatever bike Mm -hmm. that you have at home that does the online stuff these days it could be joining one of those online challenges like you talked about in the other episode and doing a bet against yourself uh Mm -hmm. you know money motivator so that's really cool uh advice and really good insight Uh, With that, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks you want to share with everyone listening? Um, I just think that mainly it starts at home. Um, Families, if they don't want, if the parents don't want to be active, you know, I understand like not everyone is ready and you can't force someone to be ready to be active when they're not ready. But like just giving their children opportunities to be active is great. Like, even like I know every parent wants to give their kid every opportunity possible. So like, even if you can't put them into that expensive club sport, just like giving them opportunities to run around with their friends at the park or letting them go on a walk with them. Maybe if they have like an older brother or sister, like just like getting them to give, get opportunities without even like necessarily having to spend money. Exactly. I love that. 
it's it's not about the money. Uh, I think there was a song like that years ago. It's not about the money. Forget about the price tag or something like that. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I I would sing it, but um, that would, that would <laughs> really ruin this episode. <laughs> so. <laughs> With that, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us and for your insight and knowledge as it relates to, you know, the health and fitness and just overall well-being of children, what we're doing wrong right now and what we could be doing different. So thank you again for your time. And for those listening, go make sure that you follow Jess on Instagram. Her handle is fitness, followed by the letter N, food, followed by the letter W, Jess. Uh, I'm going to put it in the uh, description below. So if you don't feel like uh, typing that out, you can just copy and paste. Jess, always a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you today.